question that is asked in our text is one that immediately grabs our attention. Jesus is actually giving us a warning in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 27 when He says there, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Jesus is not giving us a warning against taking life seriously. Jesus was a man who was never frivolous about life. So when He says, take no thought, or which of you by taking thought, He's not telling us to don't be serious about life. Jesus always seemed to take life seriously. And Jesus also is not warning us against a life that's well planned. There are very few words of Jesus that have been misunderstood more than what Jesus had to say about taking thought. When Jesus said, take therefore no thought for the morrow, Jesus was not forbidding planning ahead. So what then is Jesus warning us about? Jesus is warning us against our anxieties about tomorrow. He wants us to face the future with an attitude of faith. Not an attitude of feverish and fretful anxiety. So with this question, Jesus appeals to our common sense. He says, Can any of you, however much he worries, make himself an inch taller? That's Philip's translation of our text. Folks, that's some encouragement we need. Because so many of us are worried. There has probably never been a time in all of history when there were so many worried people as there are right now at this very moment. And let's be honest about it. This widespread worry is not something that can be explained in terms of our circumstances. Because worry is not a child of circumstances. Whether or not you're worried, whether or not you or I worry, it does not depend on our situation. It depends on us. Whether or not I worry depends on me. Whether or not you worry depends on you. Whenever your joy is stolen by worry, it's always an inside job. And yet, whatever the cause, multitudes are worried today, right now, at this very moment. There are ignorant people that are worried. 
because they don't know any better. And there are educated people that are worried because they just know so much to worry about. Old folks worry because they know that they see the sunset of life. Young folks worry because they see so many years ahead of them in this crazy world of ours. Irreligious people worry because they have no faith. And a lot of religious people worry because their faith is inadequate. Now, here's the point. All sorts of people worry. But not only do all sorts of people worry, they worry about all sorts of things. We worry about our bodies. And we worry about our souls. Members of the church sitting in the pew worry about the pulpit. The pulpit looks out and worries about people in the pews. At some point in life, most folks worry about getting married. Then end up worrying because they are married. We worry about calamities that actually take place. We worry a whole lot more about calamities that never happen. If you're a worrier, and you're good at it, okay, really good. If you're a really good worrier, and put in about a 40-hour week, as most folks do, you can count on it that somewhere between 75 and 90% of the tragedies you've worried about are never going to happen. And folks worry. And not only do folks worry about all sorts of things, they also worry at the worst possible times. We need this word of warning from the lips of Jesus. Because worry is so utterly useless. Here's the heart of what Jesus is asking. Who can grow one bit taller by worrying? Every one of us in this building today, every one of us, has done plenty of useless things in our lives. But nobody, ever did anything more useless than worry. It never gets us anywhere. It never lifted a single load. It never solved a single problem. It never rubbed out a single wrinkle, though it has rubbed in a lot of them. It's been well said that there are two classes of things that nobody should ever worry about. We should not worry about things we can't help. There are some things that if we are wise, we just simply have to accept. We might object strenuously to the law of gravity, but it's nuts to argue with the law of gravity because it's going to pull us down. 
There are things in life we would like to avoid if we could. But we can't. So what we need to do is meet those things in life we can't avoid without anxiety. Take, for example, the matter of growing old. As I look around this room, that ship has already sailed for the vast majority of us. But over the years, I have known people that lived in deadly fear of the calendar. My mother celebrated her 29th birthday 50 consecutive years. I was reading an article the other day where they were interviewing Joy Gardner, gospel singer. And they said, and how old are you, Joy? She said, well, I was born in 19. You've got to be kidding if you think I'm going to tell you that. But I've known folks that were just scared to death of the calendar. I've known folks that would not tell you their age for any amount of money or all the tea in China. I read the other day where someone said to a friend of his, you know what? Now that I've gotten old and there's so many aches and pains, you just ought not to get old. And the friend said, well, the only way I know to not get old is to die. And that's too heroic a remedy for me to be willing to try at this point in time. We don't need to worry about that. We don't need to worry about the things we can't help. But at the same time, we don't need to worry about the things we can help. Instead of worrying, we ought to be so busy helping that we don't have time to worry. How many of you have ever waked up on a cold winter's night, not quite enough cover on the bed, and needing another blanket to put on the bed. It's happened, hasn't it? How many of us have laid there a minute and, and realized that six feet away in the bottom drawer is an extra blanket? And then how many of us have, instead of getting up and getting the blanket, just laid there and worried the rest of the night about how cold we were? Now, that didn't get you any warmer, but boy, did you have fun worrying. We've got to avoid anxiety. Because, folks, it is just utterly useless. And not only is it useless... It's downright harmful. It's harmful to the person that does the worrying. We worry too much, it's going to wreck our health and turn our face toward the cemetery. It's the mother of many diseases and it aggravates numerous other existing diseases. But you know, not only does worry hurt the worrier, It makes the worrier a veritable bear to live with. Those that worry a lot are a burden to themselves. And they're a burden to others. 
And the great tragedy is the greater tragedy. They're a disappointment to Jesus. How often, while Jesus was here on this earth, do we hear Jesus say to His friends, and He says it with obvious pain and almost with tears in His voice, O men, how little you trust Me. When we worry, folks, we disappoint Him. But it's hard. How do we get rid of it? How do we rid our lives of this positive sin of worry? I can tell you two very popular remedies that folks use, both of which are guaranteed not to work. One is that some folks say, well, I'll quit worrying as soon as I get into an ideal situation. Guess what? That ain't going to happen. It doesn't exist. There is no ideal situation. However, if there were an ideal situation, chances are you and I wouldn't get into it. And then if there were an ideal situation, and by some freak of nature, you and I managed to get into an ideal situation, it wouldn't take us long to mess it up. You will not overcome worry as soon as you get into an ideal situation. That's not going to happen. And you're not going to overcome worry by gritting your teeth, clenching your fist, and fiercely saying, I'm going to stop worrying. You know, there are some things, foods we eat, for example, that people talk about that are an acquired taste. Oysters on the half shell, for example. That's an acquired taste. I can see by some faces that I got that some of you have never acquired that taste. Well, we need to come to the realization that worry is an acquired trait. Nobody was ever born worried. When we came into this world, we no doubt caused someone else to worry soon after our arrival. But nobody was ever born worried. I've known people that were accomplished musicians. And to become accomplished musicians, they spent a lot of time practicing. I've known people that were skilled as golfers or skilled at tennis or skilled at other activities. I've known people that were outstanding bakers and skilled in that way. And no one that's an outstanding musician or an outstanding golfer or a skilled baker got that way because they were born that way. They got that way with practice. Are you listening? By the same token, if you are an accomplished worrier, it's because you've practiced and practiced and practiced and kept on practicing. Worry is an achievement. 
And anything that you learn can be unlearned. The fact that I once learned to play the piano is proof of that. If we overcome worry, we've got to keep on good terms with our conscience. And all of us have a conscience. And if we're going to have inward peace, then we've got to give ear to this inner voice of conscience. And folks, we can never find peace until we stop fighting with God and our own conscience. To banish worry from our lives, sometimes what we need to do is just redirect our thinking. We still have to look sometimes on the things that we approve and not the things that we disapprove of. We've got to redirect our thinking and think about good things. Think about what Paul wrote in Philippians 4 and verse 8. He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, understand this. Paul is not urging upon the Philippian brethren a blind optimism. He's not even telling them or us, well, you just got to look on the bright side. That's not what he's saying. He's encouraging them and he's encouraging us to have the sanity and the good judgment in our world, in our situation, in our church, among our friends, among our loved ones, to seek the things that are lovely. Instead of fixing our entire attention on things that are ugly and things that fill us with horror and things that fill us with disgust. If we're going to conquer worry, we've got to give attention to the beautiful things of life as well as the ugly things. But ultimately, ultimately the remedy for worry is faith in God. The same fatherly God who looked after the needs of the birds Folks, He's going to supply our needs. We rest in the Lord and we wait patiently for Him. We cast all of our care upon Him knowing that He cares for us. And above everything else, like we've been studying in our Wednesday night class, we make a habit of prayer. Again, it comes from the pen of Paul. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will dwell in your hearts through Christ Jesus. I read once of an aviator who was making a flight around the world. This was back in the pioneering days of aviation. Around that same time that Lindbergh made his flight to Paris and in that same era that Amelia Earhart was attempting to go around the world. And this pilot was about two hours from his last landing field. And he heard a noise in his plane. And immediately he recognized the sound of the noise. It was the gnawing of a rat. And he realized that at his last stop, while he was stopped to refuel, this rat had entered his plane and was now busy doing his work. He's flying solo. He has no way of knowing what part of his delicate machine those sharp teeth might be cutting into. And he's filled with fear and he's filled with trepidation. And first, he does not know what he can do. It's two hours back to the landing field where he came from. It's a little more than two hours to the next landing field. Then he remembered that a rat was a rodent. And rodents weren't made for the heights. They were made to live on the ground and under the ground. So he put his plane into a climb. He went up a thousand feet, another thousand and another thousand, and he switched on his oxygen bottle that he had until he was flying 20,000 feet in the air. And the gnawing ceased. When he landed more than two hours later and he came down in safety at the next landing field, there was a dead rat in the pit of the plane. Because that rat wasn't made for the heights. Worry is a rodent. Worry is a rat. Worry can't live in the secret place of the Most High God. Worry can't live in an atmosphere that's made vital by the prayers of the saints. So in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. We banish worry from our lives by belonging to Jesus Christ and by living His kind of life. Have you done that? Are you doing that? Do you need to make changes? It's His invitation as we stand and while we sing.